Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Podcast series. I'm the host, Bill Bannum. Robin Schooling, welcome to the HR Chat Podcast. It's great to have you here today. Thank you, Bill. It's, uh, it's my pleasure. So let's, uh, let's get straight into the questions. We've got lots to chat about today. Uh, so firstly, uh, can, we, can we have a look at your career up to joining Hollywood Casino Baton Rouge? Can you maybe tell me a bit about your, your earlier career and why you decided to go into the world of talent and HR? Absolutely. And, um, you know, interestingly, and I, I think this is not uncommon, I actually uh, fell into HR. And I, and I think a lot of people sort of ended up here um, in that manner. Uh, I actually started working at a staffing agency many years ago, sort of a, a catch-all position, um, working on the on the temp side as as well as the direct placement side, kind of supporting everybody, and um, really enjoyed that. And that led to my first in-house HR position. And so I, uh, I morphed that into working in HR. I was an in-house recruiter um, for, uh, at a bank for probably about five years. And that was really my first exposure to the larger world of HR and uh, after spending some time there, probably about five years or so, um, just continued to move on into into different things. Um, uh, went and took some generalist roles, started doing some HR um, HR manager, HR director roles. But over the years, when I look back, uh, I really I've really gone back and forth. And and uh, while I've stayed in house, certainly. Throughout the the course of my career, I I went back and forth from in-house recruiting, in-house recruiter manager roles to actual uh, HR generalist, HR director manager roles like that. So uh, kind of split it up between the two, and 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 I think that sort of gave me some some depth and experience because I specialized and then went back to generalist roles and and really worked in a variety of industries. I've done everything from, um, you know, banking and healthcare, higher education to um, third-party logistics, working at a, uh, I had several sites. I was sort of a a, a regional uh, support HR person, and I I was actually on-site in some chemical plants, so kind of a manufacturing-type environment. And, And then landed um, in the gaming industry for the first time about 11 years ago and have sort of stayed in this in this role, in this world ever since, um, in addition to a brief step out on my own for a couple of years doing some consulting. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, what is it that you love about the gaming world? Uh, you know, it's a um, it's a fascinating it's a fascinating industry. Um, and it's very fast paced it's um as is the case with with you know most businesses you can certainly say no day is like any other but that is certainly certainly true here it is you know obviously we're 24/7 365 we we are our busiest when everybody else is off of work so our our busy times are weekends and holidays and um we're here to you know, create fun and entertainment and excitement for other people. 
And so it's hard work, um, and our staff work incredibly uh, diligently to do that. But it's um, you know it's fascinating. It's it's such a um, uh, such a, a different world because it's it's hospitality and food and beverage and and sort of that service retail aspect. But then you layer on on gaming and you know the the oversight that we have, obviously um, dealing with with money and regulations and things like that, and and just the um, the the gaming aspect um, and the integrity issues that come with that. So it's fascinating and um, very very unique industry. I, I had worked at one casino previously, so I knew what I was getting into when I when I joined this one and. Um, and I liked it then and and like it now. Okay, so this one is the Hollywood Casino Baton Rouge. Uh, tell me a mm-hmm. bit about your, your position there as VP of Human Resources. What, what are your key duties, Robin, and, and what, what does an average work week look like for you there, if, if there is such a thing? <laughs> there, you know, I think every, every, every week is different, but we certainly can, uh, you know, um, we have different times of the year, I guess I should say more so than than, than different weeks. Um, so we handle, um, so my department handles, you know, all the traditional uh, HR functions. So um, overseeing the um, the recruiting and staffing and talent acquisition um, programs for the property. We have, um, of course, um, performance management. We deal with, with benefits and, and compensation issues. Um, Training, um, you know, uh, general training. Um, the departments, you know, do very, you know, department-specific training and that sort of thing. Um, employee relations um, issues. We do not have a union, thank goodness. Um, there are some um, certainly entities in the gaming industry that do do um, do have collective bargaining agreements. We do not, so we don't um, don't have that as an issue here. But general employee relations issues, um, a lot of um, support, I guess. I uh, you know within our our HR function, we we are very much um, what I like to call in in your face HR. Um, we are. We are very visible. We are very involved, um, sort of from that service aspect. And that may that may sound kind of old-fashioned, but it's something that serves us well, that we believe in. Um, our employees come to us um, for assistance and support and advice. Our managers come in here to um, talk through issues, um, whether they be performance issues with a staff member. So we are very much um, an accessible, open, involved HR department and um, really, really kind of get get knee-deep um, sometimes um, with our employees um, really to make them successful and, and whatever that may be, whether that be helping them navigate their benefits or helping them navigate through um, leave of absence uh, situations that may arise. Uh, we we really take that service piece of what we do to our existing staff pretty seriously. Okay, so uh, you, you mentioned there you, you go knee deep. You're knee deep in the mm-hmm. trenches. You're, you're a proper pr- practitioner of of human exactly. resources. <laughs> so part of your role at the Hollywood Casino involves translating the business strategy and the direction 
uh, into the HR strategy and then the, the delivery from you know from the, from the employees. Mm-hmm. So what I'm I'm always intrigued to to get an insight uh, from practitioners in terms of what's needed to be that conduit that that person mm-hmm. or that department that manages up and, and then takes that decisions and implements them on on the ground floor. Um, what 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 unique personality traits perhaps? Uh, what what unique mm-hmm processes what does the communication look like what what goes into being being that that conduit well you know i think you know obviously as with, as with um you know most businesses um you know revenue attainment and growth is is our ultimate goal obviously um and so uh, this uh, one thing i have found definitely um in this industry um, and certainly here at, at my property with my company, is HR is involved in those discussions. Um, and we have a really good team um, of people that work on that. So, you know, we we in HR um, definitely need to know and understand, uh, you know, we have daily projections. What, what do we anticipate um, the patron count is going to be on any given day. Uh, what does the week look like? What does the month look like? When are the busy times of year? How do we need to assist the departments in staffing up or staffing down? Um, and it's and it's really based on a lot of deep, deep uh, data and analysis that that our analysis department pumps out every day. Every day we get this. We know what the projections are, and we can forecast you know, coming up for time of year or month of the year, that, that sort of thing. Um, we understand, uh, you know, we're involved with, you know, the marketing objectives, what are the player goals. Um, and so, again, that becomes more of a um, assist and advise uh, the managers or the department heads um, as they're planning their staffing levels or making decisions, what sort of training do they need to do, uh, what sorts of issues may they run into um, that we need to anticipate? So, a, as an example, we spring is a is a busy time for us. When we hit uh, really end of February into March and April is uh, is one of our busiest times of year from from a, a player a patron count standpoint, the number of people that we have coming and 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 revenue projections, and so. We worked with the um, with the casino operations department and planned and and we actually have this calendarized now for the year, um, but we currently have a dealer trainee school going, so um, that these dealer trainees these are people who don't have dealer experience but want to learn, so we recruited people um, to come in. We hire them as trainees. They are our employees. And they are attending dealer school right now. Um, they're about halfway through. Once they end dealer school, they they will go through an audition process, and they pass that audition, and then they will move into a regular dealer position. And so the timing of that um, involves, you know, finance to some degree, and then but HR and the casino operations team to figure out well when do we want to hold that dealer school because we want these people to come out the other end, be trained, and be ready to hit the gaming floor when we're at our busiest time. So, you know, we get involved in those discussions and kind of helping um, plan for the business needs as well as, uh, you know, any sort of promotions or things that we we may have going on. Um, And so part of that becomes getting involved, you know, obviously on that year-long business strategy. 
uh, I, I guess from the other end where where I see us kind of dr- translating that strategy from from the ground up um, becomes really a matter of education. Um, and, and that education flowing from from HR, from our our property HR up to our corporate office. Our corporate office is in another state. Um, Baton Rouge is kind of unique. We're a we're a very local market. Um, our our core players are local. Our employees, many have been here a, a number of years. Um, and so some of the things that uh, our corporate office up in the Northeast United States may think works for them or works for a different property. Um, I need to translate up to them. Here's here's why that may or may not work at, at the Baton Rouge property, and here's why. And here's this understanding of what our employees need, want, um, how they can adapt to something like that. So um, it's almost it's almost educating um, the corporate HR staff, some of the other folks at corporate. Um, and as as well as uh, as my GM, my boss, who's here on the property, he's very involved. But sometimes, um, you know, because he's the GM, he 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 may not hear some things. So I need to translate those for him sometimes. And so you're in a pretty unique position to translate some of those things sometimes, because you know you are a celebrity within the world of HR. Um, so you've got that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you've got that extra kudos you've got that um that that extra pizzazz oh gosh what, what an 80s word um <laughs> but that must i mean that that must open up a lot of extra opportunities for you to be able to convey your message to to the team and get them on board with where you're trying to go because you know they, they read and they consume your lessons all the time but does it also present some extra obstacles it's um i think it does sometimes um but i think it also then comes back to sort of translating um things back to the reality so let me you know as an example um i love i i personally love nothing more than than reading and consuming or having conversations with people from around the country or around the world who are doing you know sort of these this next generation, you know, next generation HR, who's on the cutting edge? What are these really cool things that are going on? Uh, oh, all these tools and technologies and who's doing what? And, oh, my God, wouldn't that be great? And, ooh, I wish we could, you know, adapt whatever. You know, just here recently Facebook announced this, you know, incredibly enhanced leave policy for their employees. Um, I love that stuff. I love to talk about it. I share that stuff with my team and or managers at the property, but then have the opportunity to come back to them and say, okay, but this is, you know, this is cool, but this is why this is not necessarily our reality and that that may be okay, but how can we take lessons from that and apply that to us? Um, So sometimes I will share those things and before I can even say, I realize this is not our reality, I may get pushback from people saying, oh, well, you know, just because you're reading that or writing about that, um, you know, you, you, you know, we can't do that. Um, so there is sometimes is a little bit of pushback, but um, I think it's important to open those conversations and, and 
drive drive a movement towards um what others around the around the world are doing, what others in our industry are doing and uh, I I I think I add value to the team by doing that because I I continue to be the one kind of grabbing that information and and hopefully educating people on at least making them think. Well, absolutely. Um, um you know, one of your uh, big motivations is is pushing for HR to remain relevant. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you say that all the time, right? Yeah, it, it, and you were just giving examples there about information that you share with colleagues and whatnot to try and yeah. trying to keep keep them up to speed with different technologies, different practices. What, what, right. what do HR leaders and teams need to do to to keep pace with the changing world of work? What, so, so for example, you, you send you send somebody an email, say, check out th- this awesome new software tool to help with our performance management, mm-hmm. uh, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are the expectations with, of them in terms of what they do with that information? I am, um, you know, I think one of the, one of the boxes that, um, that I find myself in and that I, that I think is not uncommon um, becomes a, uh, you know, the, the, the box drawn around, well, you, we can't spend the money type of thing. You know, I have a defined budget. Um, There are certain things that I know I will, uh, you know, never get into my budget or uh, it's it's not going to be seen as priority type of thing. So um, that's probably one of the first constraints that I run into. Um, And I think that's not unusual. That that's it. That's most any HR practitioner. Um, It is finding a way to make a business case for why this is important or why an expenditure is important. Um, I think the other um, obstacle that I face, and again, this is not uncommon, is that um, leaders, um, uh, people in HR, but uh, but also are the same way, but organizational leaders or managers um, are, are very quick to rely on stereotypes or uh, just dismiss things out of hand because, oh, we tried something once or, oh, you don't understand or this is never going to work here. So generational stereotypes, probably one of the big ones when um, when I've had conversations with, with people over the last couple of years about um, Finding ways. One of one of my biggest things is internal communication. How are we ramping this up? How are we communicating with our staff? We um, we're we're in dire need of some new solutions to that. So as I've floated some things out there, um, there's a lack of understanding of how our people, how our employees um, want to be communicated with, need to be communicated with, and so I've heard the the, the tired line of, oh well, that's our you know, oh yes, of course our 22-year-old employees want to be communicated that way, but that's not everybody. You know, that's a generational thing. Uh, well, no, it's not. It's, you know, don't resort to that sort of stereotype and let's talk about it and, and let me show you, um, you know, either some internal um, data on, you know, how, we, how we've how we communicated with people as they've been applicants and now there are employees and you know, so that's why I'm making this particular suggestion. So a lot of times it's it's asking the question back to the leaders of why do you think that way? Why do you think um, people um, 
you know, want to work that way. Another another issue that we run into, um, you know, when we look at things like, uh, you know, remote working or, you know, flexible, uh, I almost want to say flexible work more than anything. We really can't do remote working because, obviously, we are a customer-driven business. We we have to be here. Um, but when we look at changing scheduling models, to allow a little more, as much as we can, allow a little more flexibility for our employees. Um, that's a that's a difficult conversation to have here, because most of our leaders, most of our managers, have worked in this industry or this type of industry their entire career, and they are very accustomed to, uh, you know, there's a you know day shift, swing shift, grave shift. The hours are X Y Z. Um, nope, we can't adjust. Um, uh, you know, there's there's penalties instead of um, you know there's sticks instead of carrots when when people don't work as they're supposed to. So it's changing the whole dynamic of how we get people, but also retain people um, uh, around how we work, and that's a difficult conversation to have here at my property. And I think that's probably true in my industry. Um, it's it's very much a, this is just how it works. Um, no, people, we don't need to, we can't offer flexibility uh, around schedules. That's just the way it is. And so people just need to, to, to take it or decide not to work here. Um, that's a big shift, and and that's something that needs to be shifted, and I'm kind of struggling with it right now. Okay, get with it, hospitality industry. The carrot tastes much nicer than the stick. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, so far we've mainly chatted about internal communications uh let, let's uh-huh. let's now talk a little bit about some of those communications that go out there into the ether mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so social media uh social media has has changed of course how, how candidates and employees interact with employer brands um can you offer maybe a top three uh suggestions around what job seekers sh- should use social networking for when it, when it comes to portraying the the, the right image and uh getting getting a dialogue going with a potential employer yeah i think um you know i think from a from a job seeker standpoint you know the 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 best use or the things they can gain from using social media um whatever channel that may be is you know uh networking with other people uh, connecting with people learning about organizations or information that's pertinent to their specific career, um, and even even job hunting. You know, if uh, for example on Twitter or Instagram or something, they identify the the correct hashtags that they want to follow. Um, so I think that that opportunity is has has been there now for a number of years, and I think some people aren't fully um, fully utilizing it. I, I do definitely, though, see that there continues to be a lack of awareness from job seekers of how they're presenting themselves online um, and and just that need to be cautious of their online footprint, if you will. Um, you know, we saw a lot of that. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of that continue to trickle out with this um, you know, recent, shall we say, hot uh, political uh, 
climate that we have found ourselves in. We won't get into politics, but, um, you know, things have gotten we're, very we're, personal. We're, we're, and, we're based and up and here in Canada, Robin. We, 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 <laughs> we, 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 we keep out of all that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> um, the, um, you know, there have been so many online conversations, and, I, you know, I have seen people um, – you know, living their life, doing their thing um, as as people want to do, and I applaud people for living their life and doing their thing, no matter their opinion. But some people are posting things um, that others are, you know, screen grabbing and um, keeping for posterity and sharing with employers. Um, did you see what your employee said or did or whatever? And calling for them to be fired and you know things like that. So I think that's a that's a that's a challenge it's a reality um and i think people just need to be cautious about it i'm i'm not saying you know live in a live in a shell and don't voice your opinion but be very aware that potential employers may see that you may not know that they saw it you may not know that they don't approve of something that you portrayed online but I, but i think that's a reality um that that people just really need to, you know, that's kind of the negative side of of using um, using social media for for job seeking or learning or connecting with recruiters. So, so at your company, do you guys have a social media policy that employees sign when 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 they join? Um, we if, we if, do. Yeah, please. Yeah, we do. It's um, it's a the official policy is is a long one that was once upon a time, of course, originally drafted by an attorney. Um, that's the official policy. When we, when we do um, new employee onboarding, we, and we do new hires uh, join us every uh, biweekly. We, do, we call it dress rehearsal. Get it? Hollywood Casino. We call it dress rehearsal is our day of new, new hire onboarding. And so when we go through policies, um, we don't, you know, go through the 10-page policy. So the um, the points that we make are um, are three points: uh, be, you know, be nice, um, you know, don't release proprietary information, and don't be stupid. And we just we encourage people to share the story of the brand. You know, we want them to go out and say, "Be proud that they work here." Tell your friends, tag, tag the casino in 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 your posts. You know, we encourage people to do that, but we also remind them of things they should not do. So they can't take you know pictures from the gaming floor and send send pictures out. They are not to share. Um, posts or information about customers or players that are here, you know, any proprietary information, you know, things that they need to keep behind the wall. Um, and and we just remind them, be nice, um, you know, just be cautious. Don't go on talking about your coworkers or your supervisors in a demeaning way. Um, you know, we don't want to tread too deeply into the nuts and bolts of it, of what might be protected activity um, that they have a right to share, but we just we ask them to be human and and you know be nice and share the good things and and then we give them a couple examples of employees who did not follow those rules uh who no longer work here so um and I always think telling them what doesn't work or what not to do kind of drives it home even more so okay thank you very much
um there's a whole big can of worms that we could go into you know around around um what employees say on social media but perhaps i'll get you on for another interview <laughs> and we'll delve into it um we're, we're coming towards the end of this particular interview before we wrap things up uh, just a couple of last questions for you robin uh, firstly you have spoken at lots of big hr related events of course um, such as the talent management alliances hrbp conference and sherm um Tell me, what do you think makes for an engaging presentation? And do HR pros offer unique challenges and opportunities compared to, say, addressing a room of C-level execs? Um, I think, you know, I, 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 I guess no matter what, what audience I've been at, and I, and I have tended to speak to more HR audiences than non-HR audiences, although I've had a, I've had a mix Um Probably one of the funnest ones was a a um, a, uh, a group of um, business analysts here in Baton Rouge. It was quite interesting. They were very fun. Um, but uh, you know, I think the key for me is always, uh, you know, I go in with uh, hopefully educating, um, entertaining, and um, to some degree provoking. Um, and, and throwing something out there that may make people uncomfortable, perhaps, or think of something in a new way. Um, so, uh, you know, I have I have certainly done some presentations where I've I've kind of been fired up and said, uh, and this was a few years ago, but you know, hey, HR people, if you don't change, um, you're going away, type of thing. You know, and people clutch their pearls and get a little, you know, upset. Um, but I think you know, pushing the buttons and making people think about things in a different way um, while also giving them a reason to want to change or how to start changing their behavior or action or taking what they've learned, I think is key. I I think HR audiences tend to be, um, it's sort of a mixed bag. I think they can be a little more hypercritical of their peers. Um I I I was told once I was too racy because I had some sexual innuendo in something and you know that's okay. Uh it made my point. Um so HR pros can be a little hypercritical of 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 their peers, but at the same time um and as an audience member, uh, this is true as well. HR HR professionals love to hear from their peers at the same time. They would much rather, I think, be at an event with um, with colleagues um, speaking because they know that, that those people do their job and live their life. And learning from each other, I think, um, provides immense value than rather than going to an event or a conference where it's yeah, super smart people and, you know, thought provoking and, you know, presenting information, but it's people that aren't doing the job, in some cases have never done the job or hadn't done it for 15 years. Um, and and HR people get a little cynical about that. Okay, so I, I think that could be a subheading uh, in the article that, that comes with this <laughs> podcast, Robin. Uh, Robin Schooling, keep, keep keeping HR presentations sexy. Um, exactly. 
<laughs> okay, we're, we're, and on that note, we're going we're going to the end of the show. Uh, before we, we before we do everything, uh, complete everything today, um, how can our listeners learn more about you? Well, um, I am uh, all over the internet, although not as uh, not as active as I as I once was, but still still pretty active. Um, so I'm on Twitter uh, at Robin Schooling. My my website slash blog is robinschooling.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I've got stuff up on SlideShare. Um, I just tell people to Google me and um, and connect with me where they find me. Robin Schooling, thank you very much for being our guest today. Uh, it's been an honor. I'd love to get you on again in the future. Oh. But, but for now, thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. This was great. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.